Hello and welcome to the Coaches Coffee Club, a brand new podcast where we interview and chat with various experts and people within the game all around coach development, player development and all things football. Uh, Before we begin, just a quick word from our sponsor. Pitch is the Tinder of football, and while you're unlikely to get yourself a date via this innovative platform, you will find a website that challenges the status quo of scouting and talent ID. Pitch gives footballers greater exposure to showcase their talents by scientifically matching them with scouts and coaches. Whichever side of the footballing fence you're on, join today and experience the future of football talent management. Sign up today at www.pitchrmt.com. Okay, so today I'm delighted on our debut show to welcome Mr. Matthew Joseph, FA Youth Coach Developer and according to Wikipedia, International Goal Scorer. Um, Before Matty speaks, if you're driving, be careful, he's got a very relaxing voice. So, Matthew, welcome. Welcome, Lee. How are you? Very well, thank you, mate. Appreciate you joining us. Can you, for those people who are not fortunate enough to to know you can you just give us a whistle stop tour of your life today all things football and how we have come to today's highlight of sitting here before me well, firstly I better um, clear up the Wikipedia stuff I think my son has access to my to that and does edit that every now and then never actually scored a goal but I'll take it if he says so um, so yes Matthew Joseph I uh, grew up in London ended up uh, well, quite lucky enough to go and represent England, played at a national school, played for Arsenal as a, as a, as a kid. Um, unfortunately, never actually made my league debut there, but ended up playing around 400 league games for Cambridge, Leighton Orient, Gillingham. And then after that, went into to coaching, or actually started coaching while I, while I was playing. Um, had a couple of years working at different clubs. And then moved across to the FA in August 2007, and have been here since. That's 12 years. I think I'm the longest, one of the longest serving people in our particular department. Fantastic. So your your role now is uh, an FA youth coach developer. Yeah. So basically, we're appointed by the FA, and we go into professional clubs and we coach the coaches, as it were. So a lot of stuff around. I think going back to 2010 when. England didn't do so well in the in, in the World Cup. There was a bit of a root and branch uh, look into into coach development, and so what, what was talked about is that we need to get more and better coaches. Um, however, we quantify that, and so part of that was revamping the qualifications and getting FA coaches to go into the clubs to support the coaches with their with their coaching qualifications and and to develop players. Excellent. So what, what does a, a typical working week look like for you currently in this role or what are you, uh, what are you exposed to that oh, the well. listeners might want to know about? So I have, I have six clubs that I work with, which are Southend, Peterborough, MK Dons, Northampton, Leicester and Norwich. So a nice split of clubs. So on any, on any given day, I'm in one of those clubs working with the coaches or, or outside the clubs, but certainly, certainly I'm um, working with coaches around their qualifications or just their general CPD. Uh, if I'm not there, then I'm generally at St George's Park, uh, I, either on delivering a course or, or you know, just having meetings and stuff up there and occasionally I get some time off. <laughs> That's the joy of working in football, I guess. Yes. Um, so you're very fortunate to, to see a lot, of, um, a lot of sessions, meet a lot of coaches, watch a lot of players in the, in the, um, 
in the sort of elite side of the game. Um, so what what is it particularly that that you see happening in clubs at the moment? What's the what's the trend for for player development? Is there anything sort of coming to fruition that's Good that's question. hot. Good question. There's, there's, uh, you know, there's lots of good work going on in the clubs at the moment um, for lots of different reasons. I think uh, uh, this football is more of a more of a career opportunity now. So I think, and there's more funding um, in football, but there can always be more. But um, so there's more more full time coaches, which means that the programs that the the children have been exposed to are better in terms of more contact time. Um, the coaches are more qualified or there's more qualified coaches in the clubs so there's, there's the clubs are in a good place um, in terms of trends I'm not quite sure I think there's there's more of a, of a trend towards uh, question and answer and, and as opposed to being command um, I don't think uh, we need to get that balance right because it isn't that command is wrong it's just that there's there's knowing your players is probably more of a um, more of something that coaches are into at the moment, getting to know the players, getting to know why they come in, getting to manage them in a different way and manage the parents in terms of uh, being more honesty around what actually being an academy is like. Um, so I think from that part, part that obviously the players are getting better because they're being exposed to football earlier in a, in a more structured environment. Um, but that's not to say that, that just playing in the streets and that isn't, although the kids don't play in the streets as much as that's still valid and still relevant so the trends are, I suppose are of trying to play a a more possession based brand of football and making sure that players are more individual players are better on the ball and we have more game changes and, and more exciting players because I think the new generation or, or, or football's changing that we like to we like to be excited by football it's, it's, it's an entertainment industry so we don't want to watch games which are boring we'd want to watch games very exciting and, and so I think that's reflected in the way that we're coaching our players and the way that players want to play the game yeah fantastic no it's you can you can quite clearly see that in some of the the way the England teams are playing especially at, at youth level as well that um, confidence and freedom on the ball do you do you think there's any trade-offs in in that across not just academy football, but grassroots football as well. If coaches are so focused on in possession stuff, do we do we neglect developing defenders or or the out of possession work? I think there are benefits and trade offs. Um, so wh- whatever you do, um, it's understanding why you're doing it and, and what the trade offs are. So, for example, if you are, if we've gone through a system recently with more people playing a four a four three three, for for example, and not get too bogged down by systems but it, for that for example as opposed to the traditional 4-4-2 then we're producing less centre forwards by definition of producing less centre forwards we're producing less wingers um, if we're producing less crosses or, or or less centre forwards then the defenders are having to defend differently so it really depends what you want um, and and how you and how you decide to do that for me it's just about producing um, making sure that players still love the game and getting players who uh, are technically proficient, um, tactically ready, um, psychologically capable, and, and love being around the game. So, I think there's there's, I don't think there is one particular way to do it. Um, I'm sure that every, every club has their own way and think that, that that that's the way. But I, you know, the way that football is, and the way that it's, it changes so much, I think that 
as long as we can we can have players who are exciting, who can attack, can defend, then we'll be okay. So, so if there's um, a coach out there who who wants to develop players in in that respect, who are confident, technically astute, and and um, adaptable, is there any particular advice you'd give them around? Is there certain practice designs or, or, or ways of working, whatever level that that coach is working at, that might encourage that? Yeah, like I said, there's, there's multiple ways of doing stuff, but ultimately everything links back to the game. Um, so every, every practice is, is a derivative of the game. So as long as you, you're getting your, your players to practice something which will help them to understand the game or, or play the game, then um, that, that's a good practice. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we are, depending on on the clubs and the areas that we're using, sometimes we're we're hampered by the size of the area that we have, so we have to be a little bit more creative. Um but fundamentally, as long as we're helping the players to understand the game, then they've got more of a chance. Yeah, so so if, cast your mind back to when you were coaching, um, I know you, you do a lot of coach observation now and not necessarily putting the cones out yourself, but if you're planning a session, do you have any sort of tips or, or key strategies that you try and work through when designing that session, I know it's easy nowadays to, to, to click on Twitter and, and find 100,000 sessions, but working with your players, is there any way you you would thought process you'd go through or, or strategy yeah. to design? For me personally, it's always clarity. So are you clear on what it is you're trying to do? Are you clear on why you want to do it? Are you clear on um, the types of players that you've got and how much time you have and also what you ex- um, so clarity and what you expect to get from your session? So in a you know if you if you're thinking along in terms of a, of, of a grassroots session, um, for example, you might have an hour on the Astro. By the time you've actually the, the team before you've got off, and by the time you've actually got on that session, probably ends up being about 30, 35 minutes. And by the time you've done your warm up, you call down and told your players which you know what you want them to do, and and kids getting there on time. So in thirty five minutes, it's really hard to change the world. So it's really it's really being quite mindful of what you think you can do and being patient enough to understand what that might look like um, for your players and how that might link back to the game. So I, th- I think sometimes we have um, some possibly unrealistic expectations of what we can achieve in a short period of time. But on the flip side, we have to be, we have to be mindful that we can be um, most impactful with the time that we've got with the players. And they've got to make sure that... And for me, learning's done by the learner. So if all we do is facilitate practices or facilitate environments or facilitate areas which players can um, can learn but fundamentally if we can do something which gets them and keeps them engaged gets them activated and, can, and connect them then they'll practice those things and they'll get better and and practice doesn't isn't just with us in the hour that we've got if we can give them if we can give the player something which they can connect to then they'll practice any opportunity they can with or without a ball um, with or without others yeah and I guess Sometimes I've I've been guilty of this myself. We we think we have to rush to our to get to get what we want out of a session when we we actually we might be fortunate to have those those players for forty weeks a season or even a lot of grassroots coaches join a, a club at under sevens as the the parent who's yeah. dragged in and and then at under seventeens they're thinking about taking the reserve team. So we we don't have to achieve something in one session, do we? And patience is often overlooked I think sometimes yeah and it's, it's looking at it's, it's long term um, player person development 
um, and each practice, each session, each contact we have with players, each, each time they're thinking about something, they're just real small incremental parts of their development. And we may play a big part or a small part in that. Um, the only way we'll ever really know is, is when we ask the players at some stage when, you know, what were the bits where all the, all the people or the environments or the times where things made more sense to them or, or, or when did they really, really enjoy their time the most. And I think if you ask most players at any age who are their best coaches, they'll be able to tell you. And most of the time it isn't anything to do with the X's and the O's, the technical tactical stuff. It's about how those coaches made them feel or how they made them feel empowered to do some stuff or how they encouraged them or challenged them or to, to do something. Um, so actually, we sometimes we vanity the vanity in us wants us to be put on the best session for it to be absolutely perfect for it to, for the players to come up you know giving us high five saying it's the best session I've ever had in the world it isn't like that learning learning is really really messy really messy and some of the sessions where we drive home thinking that wasn't great or the players go home thinking I didn't do so well in that session are probably some of the best sessions where they can start to figure some stuff out yeah that's one of the best pieces of advice I was given is is it's not about me is it it's about it's about those players and sometimes we can we can get a little bit carried away if we come back off a course or we found a new session but like you say at the end of the day we're we're, we're really only there to to help those players in front of us it's, it's really hard as a as a coach to get your head around uh, in my head to get your head around that um we will spend lots of time we'll spend money going on courses we'll do research we'll We'll be out in the wind and the rain. Um, we'll be planning teams. We'll be the, the the taxi driver, the kit washer. And actually, it's not about us. We're, we're just there to help those players achieve potent, their, their potential most of the time. So it, it's really hard because once you've you've invested all that stuff into you, in, into something, it's really hard to, to differentiate and realise that actually it isn't about, it isn't about you per se. It's about the players but we have a massive role to play in how the players develop. Um, so, so with that, just just going back, sorry to jump around, you mentioned about every player can can tell you their best coach or for whatever reason, who who's yours and can you remember and why? What was it about I've that coach? I've of, of, of good coaches and for, and for different things. And I think the older I get, um, I look back at stuff and, and realise how good some people were. And at the time, I probably I, I probably didn't. I th- I would look at someone like my youth team coach at Arsenal, Pat Rice, and thinking he was a he was a, a great coach in terms of installing the real importance that you have to you really have to commit to put something in to get something out of 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 the, of the game. Um, and at the time, we probably thought he was being quite harsh or that he was being just a moody so and so. But actually, no, he was he was he was spot on, absolutely spot on. Um, I think that's a really quite a key message though isn't it that maybe at the time the coach was doing something that he probably knew you weren't pleased with but the the bigger picture was that he knew it was the right message to give and now all these years later you the pe- not that the penny hadn't dropped then but you now appreciate the, the value in that message whereas at the time you probably thought oh, why is he doing this yeah and everyone's got their own mindset and I suppose my next moment in time would be Something along the lines of the, the game of football doesn't owe you anything. The only thing that it, it, it will give you is an opportunity to go and play the game and enjoy it, but it doesn't owe you anything. But you have to give everything to get something out of it. 
and it's a real, it's a, you know, it's a real um, hard thing to, to get your head around because on one hand you're thinking, well, it's, it's the best game in the world. Um, it's the most watched game in the world. It's the most popular game in the world in terms of, of participation. But it's also, it doesn't mean just because you like it and because you, you want to be part of it that you're going to be a professional footballer, that you're going to be the best person on the pitch. It doesn't mean that you're going to have the greatest game. Um, because we can watch the best players in the world have poor games, so it doesn't. It doesn't. It, the game doesn't owe you anything. But everything you get out of the game, you have to work for and you have to commit to. Um, and it take, and that's really hard. It's really hard because it's 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 almost an unfair scenario where the game will still be there, um, and we're only in it for for a small period of time. And there's some real highs and there's some real lows. But most of the time, we operate in between those two areas. So it's, um, yeah, I think the older I get, the more philosophical I, I get around it. So therefore, I, I look at the game and coaching and player development slightly differently. But that's just because of, of, of my experiences um, at this moment in time. But everyone else will be different. You, you said there about having to work extremely hard to, to get stuff out of the game, players, but also also coaches. Yes. So how, how much sort of value or, or importance would you put on qualifications or and badges as well uh, in, in sort of um, against informal learning or self-development what I know you've been fortunate enough to, to do a lot of courses and deliver on a lot so where where must coaches find the balance do you, do you see coaches preference over one rather than the other yeah I, th- I think qualifications are important but they're not the be all and end all because it's a bit like having a driving licence there are millions of people who've got a driving licence, but on every given day, we probably drive along going that person can't drive. So you can have an A licence and have a, and d- deliver a bad session. You can have no qualification and deliver a, a brilliant session. So one of the most influential coaches for, for me never had a coaching badge. So when I grew up and was playing um, grassroots football, he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. One of the best coaches that I've had ended up going into working in professional clubs as a scout and, and, and talent ID and still to this day, as far as I'm aware, doesn't have a, you know, a football qualification, has 10 IDs and stuff qualifications. But, so I think the qualifications part of it is really important, but it's a small part of it. The qualifications is, is a measure to say that you're competent at a point to deliver something, but actually you've still got to go out and do it. You've still got to go out and deliver that and deliver um, a level or to a, to a standard with your players. And that's, 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 that's where you're judged and, and football like I said is, is, is brilliant but it's, it can be quite cool because people will judge you based on what they see on a one-off session and based on what they think that they would do or why they would do it without looking at the context of why you do stuff but having the qualifications gives you should should give you an idea of how to justify why you've done what you've done and would you say the, the sort of over the last few years correct me if I'm wrong that the qualifications have changed the quote-unquote assessment method to more competency-based which any course is almost just giving you knowledge it's then how how you interpret that and use it day to day to to be a better coach so would you say that the in situ visits on sort of the b licenses and the the competency stuff is is a better way of ensuring coaches are embedding the knowledge from courses definitely but i think um the game changes Learning is changing, education is changing, the way that that, um, that we learn is changing. So we have to try and be as current and flexible as we can with that. 
knowing that potentially you're always going to be behind the curve even though you want to try and be in front of it um in, in simple terms if you want to get better at playing football then play football you know if you want to get better at playing the piano then play the piano but there'll be some 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 stuff that you have to do um which will help you understand how to play the game in, in essence the game's a simple game it's two teams two goals one ball scoring their goal don't score in ours it's why People from all over the world who have coaching qualifications or not can play the game. The way that we coach the game or teach the game is becoming ever more complex. And there's and there lies why we, we use qualifications because people are becoming more, having more ideas on how to play the game or how to teach the game, even though the fundamentals of it are pretty simple. So for that reason, Qualifications are important, but application is even more important. So you've got to go out. And if you want to become a better coach, sometimes it's just getting it's getting miles on the clock. It's going out there and doing good sessions and doing bad sessions and doing sessions where you drive home thinking you're the worst coach in the world to drive home thinking you're the best coach in the world. You know, it's, there's, you just have to keep working on sessions, not just churning them out just for the sake of it, but doing sessions, evaluating them, thinking about why you did what, um, think about how you might improve it, understanding why you got it wrong, some some of the times while you're delivering the session, it's the worst time to evaluate because you can't see the wood for the tree sometimes. And sometimes as younger, not younger, but as inexperienced coaches, we, we, we've done the plan, so we stick to the script. I think actually as you get a little bit more experienced, you've planned what you want to do, you've got real clarity of why you want to do it, but actually it's about developing the group of people that are in front of you. So if it doesn't stick exactly to the plan, you can be okay with that as long as that plan's been referenced in some way, shape or form or you can justify why you might have had to deviate away from it. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a long convoluted answer, but it's, it's sometimes in football there isn't a black and white. There's, there's a spectrum of stuff where you just have to think about or depending on where you are on your journey, how much stuff you know, then you know, understanding or, or applying yourself is, is... You do those because of the, the things that you know. I would argue that I'm probably... A better coach now than I was 10 or 15 years ago, but the decisions that I would have made 10 or 15 years ago would have been done with the best of intentions um, with the knowledge base that I had then. So there's, there's a few coaches or quite a lot of coaches out there working at whatever level that maybe can't progress to the next qualification for whatever reason, might be financial, might just be access to courses. Obviously the demand, supply and demand is, is, is always a, a tricky situation, but what can can a coach in that situation do to make to continue their development without using a formal qualification? Again, I think we have to be careful that qualifications are, are really important. But actually, as a, as a coach, it's about getting better. And it's about um, working with different people. If if you you might be really good working with a group of of players, whether they're male, female, certain age groups, certain demographics, or, or in certain areas. Or challenge yourself to go and work with a different set of of, of players, and see how you, how you cope in that environment. Because sometimes it's about us developing ourselves. Um, well, actually, it was always about us developing ourselves to help the players. Um, you might have a player or players who are fantastically good players, but have a lot of emotional baggage that come with them. That's coaching. You know, it's that's, you've got on and off field coaching. There's stuff that you have to think about. You might have. You know, any one of us as a, as a coach, mo- most professional players come through grassroots. Y- you might have the next Harry Kane or Raheem Sterling in your group, but you might not know it. 
So how do you how do you differentiate and how do you manage the best players? How do you differentiate and manage those who aren't the high flyers at this moment in time? Um, and how do you differentiate and manage those who are at this moment in time aren't, aren't your best performance? There's always ways in which you can challenge yourself as a coach. I think if we if we look at it in too in too linear a way and saying, well, we've got to go from this qualification to that one to that one, or I'll start with the nines to go to the tens to go to elevens. I think sometimes that's that can be our our can be a bit of a, a downfall because we, we look at we look at football and look at coaching as being really straightforward and really simple and, and it isn't like that because players are different and, and and more importantly than being players they're people and people are different. So <clears throat> there's a up and coming coach looking to succeed in the game, um, or or even young Matty when Matty's just <laughs> getting into coaching. What what advice would you give that up and coming coach? you could give them one piece of advice for them to go on and, and be successful as a coach what would that be? I would say be be aware of yourself and that sounds really strange but know what your values are know what your beliefs are um, think about how those things impact on your behaviours or how you behave as a coach and then how that all comes together and how you apply yourself I think as 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 young coaches, and it's absolutely natural, we look at at more experienced coaches, or we align ourselves to coaches that we quite like the look of, or that we want to be like, and we try and act like them. But actually, this you know, we might take some real good things from different coaches, but we still have to be authentic, and we still have to be ourselves. So it's, it's about finding out more more about yourself and find that the best version of you or you're the version of you as a, as a coach and deciding as a coach what type of coach you want to be you know do you want to do you want to be a developer you know of, of players do you want to be a, a, a master tactician do you want to be someone who's really good at developing technical attributes on players like what, what type of coach is it do you want to be someone who's who's quite well rounded and can deal with lots of different things do you want to be a coach who works with younger players do you want to work be a coach that works with older players I think that, that that real understanding of self and thinking about what you want to be uh, or where you want to get to, that, that sort of destination, is, is really, really important. But And that will change. Undoubtedly, that will change. Because when you start off as a coach, I, I don't know many who look at it when they first start and think, that's where I want to be, that's, where, that's the type of coach I want to be and that's where I want to end up. I think you all went and you change. Um, but it's, all, it's almost having some clarity and having some purpose of what you're doing and why you're what what type of coach you want to be and why do you want to be that type of coach and then what sort of things might you have to go through in your journey to to achieve those to achieve those things that's a an answer that I'd give you now I probably want to give you that answer 25 years ago that's interesting I won't ask you what you'd have told me 25 years ago <laughs> I'd have been quite young I'm afraid mate um, go on then what if you could give one piece of advice to a young player so we spoke about coaches but one piece of advice to a young player what would that be or what do you what advice do you wish someone had given you when you were starting your career as a as a player um, as a young player depending on, on the relationships how you can get these messages across but I'd say try and reach your potential every day it's as simple as that because that covers a myriad of stuff so if you think potentially you you can be the best player, the fastest, the most technical, the tactical, the leader, um, 
whatever it is you think you're being, if you think whatever you, that potential you've got, try and reach that potential every day. Because then you're, you, you've got a goal, you've got an aim, but you're also stretching yourself because that every time you, it sounds a bit mad, but every time you get closer to reaching your potential, your potential will shift again. Um, so speaking of advice, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh, I've been given lots of advice. I don't know if it's good, bad or whatever. Um, probably the, the, the advice that I've taken heed of most is to be yourself, no one else. And similar to the players, to try and be the best version of yourself every day. And I think, again, quite quite simple things, but quite clear on those going, well, so I, I can only be me. I, I, I'm not going to try to be any other type of coach. I'm not going to try to be any type of person, dad, father, husband. But um, but I'll try to be the best that I can be. And to be, today might be a really, really bad day, but I'll, I'll make the best of it and do be the best version of I can be today. And tomorrow might be my best day. And if I can make the best version of that, it's brilliant. But actually, we, we probably fall somewhere in between most days. Well, I, I guess we'll let the listeners be the judge of that, mate. <laughs> you know, if we don't get any any hits, then maybe <laughs> it's not been the greatest day. That, that'll be a good measure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I believe we we might be coming towards the end. So we every every week we do this incredibly uh, successful little piece called uh, quick fire questions. Um, so we've got a few to pick from. Um, I'll start easy. Um, the idea is just just say what you're thinking. Don't don't overthink it. So, um, in your opinion, who is the best coach or manager of all time? Not sure. I can give you a quick final answer. <laughs> Not sure. Too many to mention. Okay, we'll skip that one. <laughs> um, most underrated player. Currently playing. Oh, this is these not are, so these quick are, These are quite in-depth questions, <laughs> if you know if you know me and the way that I think about stuff. Um, oh. Oh, well, I couldn't, couldn't give you a name. No, sorry. Well, okay. So, who, in your opinion, who's the best ever Premier League player? Who's your favourite ever Premier League? Oh, player? favourite. Oh, so I can give you some favourites from a, from a. An attacker, I thought Paul Scholes was absolutely brilliant in terms of what he could do. Did um, you see him? Did you see the Man United game the other week? Yes, I did. Yeah, fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah. Still, 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 still spraying brilliant. balls around. Um, so he he would be one of my favourites to watch, just because he had a, he had a bit of everything and it also had that um, that fire that I quite like. What was um, the best ever Premier League team you enjoyed watching the most over the years? I've liked watching. The Arsenal team and the Invincibles. I've liked watching the Man United teams. That certainly won that 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 won the treble, and I've liked watching the Man City team of recent times. So, this is definitely not going to be a quick fire one. Almost. So, who would be your all-time England eleven? Right. Okay. What formation are you playing first? Well. Or is that going to change depending on the players you end up forgetting about and thinking, oh, I should have put him in. We'll play a one-four. I'm going to give you a real FA answer and say we're going to play flexible formations. So we'll just have the 11, and depending on the opposition, we would be able to change. Go on then, start with so your goalkeeper. In terms of my thoughts and my, my era... Yeah, this is Matthew Joseph, yeah. the football fan. I would go David Seaman in goal. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> um... 
come back to me on the right back. <laughs> I would go... I'll keep count so we get enough players. We've got one so far. Central defenders, I would go... Oh, how would I like to... Would I would be a... Oh, I'm going to be a ball-playing team. That's what I'm going to go for, right. So I'm going to go for... A midfield. <laughs> I mean, we're going to have to change the title of this quick-fire segment, <laughs> aren't we? This is going to be... I, I think too much about stuff. I'm really sorry. Um, I would go Skulls in midfield alongside Stephen Gerrard. I would have John Barnes, because I think I could get the best out of him. That's really... really <laughs> Some confidence, That's I like a, that. a lot of confidence it's, in me. Hey. Um, I would go for... Come back to me on the right side. Um because no, he might be playing a 4-3-3 you need one more for a five-a-side team but I would I would go Owen Lineker Beardsley um, we're on seven and I don't think I've heard a defender yet so we are we all Let, attack and defend yeah all out attack but we win 10-9 in terms of the era that I saw and players who could who, who could defend I would Personally, I would definitely have a Martin Kieran in there because he would defend and organise and could play any kind of system. Um, but doesn't really fit my ball playing <laughs> as such. That's all mine. Win it um, and play short. <laughs> um, I would probably... Ha- I would de- well, actually, probably... I'd have Rio Ferdinand in there. I would have Ashley Cole at left back. And I would... Pr- right back. Who would have as right back? There's a few. You're going to give yourself a cap? Oh, not in that team, no. <laughs> <laughs> I will give... For the sake of the, the, they run out of time, I'll give it to Trent Alexander-Arnold as right back. I like it. No, that's not a bad team. Not a bad team. Did you... Uh, you left out Lampard, didn't you? And Always benefits and trade-offs, but you've got to have a strong sub-bench. And the modern game is about, <laughs> your, about your squad. No Gaza. The modern game is about your score <laughs> and we'll be able to get on. We could do this all day. If anyone's got any suggestions, feel free to, to to send them in. But listen, Matty, that's been fantastic. I can't thank you enough for giving up your time and sharing this. We could talk all day, but when uh, when we spoke about the idea of this podcast, it was supposed to be relatively short form. So uh, we, we'll probably get you back some other day to to talk about uh, your best ever Premier League team <laughs> I'm sure we could debate that but have a little bit more um, time that. again massive thanks Matty for, for coming in also a huge thanks to Saul and the guys at Pitch for making the podcast happen big thanks to Mark for being a wizard and actually making sure it, it manages to get into your phones and on your radios because that is not a strength of mine um yeah, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this uh, and you want to hear more, well, there will be more, let's be honest. We're, we're going to do some more because I enjoyed it. So hopefully you guys did as well. Um, remember to hit the subscribe button. Please go mental on uh, social media and share it because I say some great messages there from Matty. Um, and while you're driving to or from training, that will be uh, a great listen. But until next time, All the best. Good luck in your coaching, Matty. Thank you very much. That's a pleasure. Thank you very much. See you all soon. Apologise if I'm a bit snivelly as I need to not do that near the mic. Excuse me.
Yeah, I'm blowing my nose, wiping my nose on the microphone. <laughs> yeah. It's probably not Welcome the best thing. Welcome to the <laughs> podcast where I give you germs. <laughs>